Come thou fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace The Overcomers is the title that Pastor Al Pittman has chosen for this talk developed from Revelation chapter 12. To be honest, some of the biblical territory we're covering in the book of Revelation is truly amazing in every sense of the word. But we must remember we are dealing with future saints who have had truths revealed to them in real life that we can only read about and consider. These believers have lived what can only be compared to spiritual science fiction, except it will be utterly real. Signs, seals, bulls, and creatures you don't want to meet will be a part of their reality. Today, these overcomers will be our subject, and, well, all we can do is read, wonder, and believe and get our hearts right with Jesus. Open your biblical device, analog or digital, and let's roll into Revelation chapter 12. Here's Pastor Al. Welcome to all of you uh, at Calvary Worship Center, as has already been said, and uh, those who are watching online. We're going to get into the Word today, Revelation chapter 12, and uh, if you will turn there with me, and we'll get ready to dive into the Word of God. I've entitled this message, The Overcomers. The last couple of weeks, we've seen the um, defiant ones. We also saw last week the uh, eternal witnesses, and now the overcomers. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this word. Join me, please. Father, we thank you for your word. It is life. It is truth. Lord, we thank you, Father. We pray that your word would go forth today. Lord, with your promise that it will not return to you void, but will accomplish that which you send it to do. Lord, now give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. And Lord, that we might bear fruit to your glory. We commit this time to you. It is your time. We have redeemed it for your purpose. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 We find here within our text, it's interesting, an example of future saints. Remember, the book of Revelation is a book that looks to the future. And what's going to be happening, in particular, where we are in our text, during the tribulation, seven-year tribulation period. And we find in this tribulation period uh, believers who have overcome the evil one. Uh, they serve as an example for us because the, their example is we can apply to our lives now how we can also overcome the evil one as well. Now, before we get to that example, toward the end of the message, we're going to be talking about that, but uh, we're first going to go through the text. Uh, so do you understand this is a Bible study, and we're going through the Word of God, and I'll be explaining and de defining a lot of these uh, images that we find here and uh, the things that are said here in Revelation chapter 12. So uh, get ready to take notes. Uh, I'm going to go through them pretty, fairly quickly. And then we will apply this, this passage or this chapter uh, to our lives today toward the end of the message. Amen. So begin, we began reading in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. I want you to read along with me, please. The Bible says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems at his crowns on his head, on each head. Uh, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. There are two signs here, one being the woman and uh, the, the dragon, verses 1 and 3, but also there's mentioned here a child. The woman here uh, that the scripture speaks about is Israel, the nation of Israel. Some people have argued that, no, it's, it's uh, 
you know, uh, the Virgin Mary, um, uh, the founder of the Christian science movement, uh, Mrs. Eddy, <laughs> says it's her. Amen. It won't even go there, all right? It is Israel, as we will see here in just a moment. Um, and it's not unusual in scripture for God to refer to Israel as a woman or as his, 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 uh, his wife. A couple of examples are in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, and, and Isaiah 66, verse 7. There are many others in scripture, but in 54, verse 5, the book of Isaiah, uh, the Lord God says, speaks to Israel and says, your maker is your husband. God had chosen Israel. And so we believe this is Israel the, 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 here, the garland around her head, the 12 stars, they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And then we come to the sun and moon. She is clothed in the sun with the sun and she's standing on the moon. What does that symbolize? Well, we know in scripture that uh, it, it, the sun and moon are oft, often defined or described rather uh, res, um, are illustrative, illustrative of God's divine favor. And uh, Psalm 84 verse 11 speaks of that. It is also the sun and moon are also uh, call signs or, or use or associated with signs and seasons. In Gen uh, Genesis chapter 1 verses 14 to 16 speaks about that. So what is this woman standing here? What is she representing as she's standing there clothed in the sun and on the moon? Uh, so with her feet on the moon. And this, of course, is a vision that, that John is seeing. Well, she represents, she's standing here in a posture of favor, divine favor. Again, God chose Israel place his favor on Israel. The Bible says not because they were better than anybody else. In fact, they were the least of numbers uh, in regards to numbers of any of the other nations. But God says, I've chosen to love you. He placed his favor on the nation of Israel. It's the only explanation that Israel exists today. It was destroyed by the Roman Empire. And yet, the Bible says that it would be born again as a nation. And it was born again May 14, 1948. Amen. No other people or nation has ever done that. The only explanation for their existence being surrounded by people who want to annihilate them is that God's favor is upon them. God has a plan, as we will see, for the nation of Israel. And then we get to verse 5. Uh, and, or uh, then this woman, I should say, gives birth to a child. And there in verse 5... Uh, the Bible says that she bore a male child uh, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Who is this? Can be speaking of no one else but Jesus. The child is Jesus. Again, Jesus was born out of the, birth, the, the, the nation of Israel, from the people of Israel. Amen. The Messiah was Jewish. Amen. And so uh, this child here is clearly Christ. He's the only one who will rule with a rod of iron, the only one who has ascended, the only one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, and Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Now we come to the second sign. The first sign is a woman. The second sign is the dragon. The dragon. Verse 9 of, of Revelation chapter 12 clearly tells us that the dragon is the devil. In verse 9 it says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. So no doubt it's clear that this is the devil. He is a fiery red dragon, red probably because of his murderous nature. He is seen here, this hideous creature with seven heads, seven crowns or diadems, sitting on each head and ten horns. Now, we don't, we're going to get more into this in, in chapter 13. You can read and look over there. Chapter 13, verse 1, talks about this dragon as well and these horns on his head. The Bible says that, uh, these, uh, uh, the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And he symbolizes here uh, his dominion, uh, his dominion, his his uh, being the prince of the air, the influencer over the world. And so he has these horns. And remember, horns represent in scripture authority. 
And so he uh, is, has these ten horns, and the ten horns, uh, according to Daniel's prophecy, uh, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, these ten horns represent ten uh, world rulers. And we'll get more into that, like I said, in, Dan- in uh, Revelation chapter 13. Ten horns representing ten world rulers. And we know that uh, according to Daniel's prophecy, and as we will see here in the book of Revelation as we go, continue to go through it, that the world is headed right now toward a one world government that is headed up by the Antichrist. A ten nation confederation will arise. And the world will be ruled by one, one ruler. And, uh, you know, people used to think that that was kind of impossible, especially when it comes to the mark of the beast. How is everybody going to have the mark? But we now live at a time where we have the technology to mark everybody. It's interesting, you know, and some of this stuff is being rolled out even now. And, uh, you know, it's going to sound like it's going to be a tremendous benefit to the world. Now, hey, the church won't be here at that time. Amen. But during the tribulation period, what a marvelous idea. Let's have everybody bear the mark so we know who's for us and who's against us. And of course, many of the believers will refuse to mark and as a result will be martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. Daniel also tells us in his vision, again, we'll get into more of it next week, and these, with these two, ten horns, that there is a little horn mentioned as well. Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And a little horn represents the Antichrist. And so, again, we will get into it further uh, next time. A third of the stars, the Bible says in verse 4, are, are thrown down to the earth. This third of stars represent a third of the angels that rebelled with the devil and were cast out of heaven. And the devil sits here poised, ready to devour the child as soon as it's born. We need not wonder where infanticide originated from. Infanticide, the killing of children after birth, that was promoted by the governor of Virginia. And I do not think that it's some coincidence that he's in the hot water he's in now. Amen. Amen. I'll just leave that over here. <laughs> I hope he repents. I hope he realizes that there is a God who is the author of life. And it's not man. It's God. Amen. Amen. In verse 5 blows me away because in verse 5 she gives birth to this child. The reason it blows me away, I go, what love, what power that sustained this child who was born with a devil poised and ready to devour him. And yet, because of God's great love for us, the devil's agenda was not fulfilled. What kind of love do you just stop and think sometimes what kind of love it took to preserve this child? The devil is enraged. He hates this child. He understands this child comes from God. He wants to destroy this child. Destroy any opportunity for us to be reconciled to God. And yet, though he is poised and enraged, he is defeated. Amen. Listen, that should give us, amen, give God praise and glory. Amen. That, that should encourage us. You know, the devil's out to get me. It doesn't matter if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? The Bible says he moves and he works, God works, and nobody can reverse it. God promised the Messiah, and I don't care how mad the devil got, it still came to pass. Amen? And no matter how mad the devil's mad at you, amen, God is still for you. The enemy came to destroy, yet Jesus was born to destroy the works of the devil. And the Lord has prevailed. Amen? First John chapter 3 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. 
So this is a miracle. When I read verse 5, I just step back and say, Lord, that is miraculous. The devil is poised, this dragon, and yet you, Lord God, prevailed. And verses 5 and 6, between verses 5 and 6, there's a, what is called a prophetic gap in Revelation chapter 12. Because the first five verses, verses 1 to 5, we are sort of looking back at fulfilled prophecy. We're looking back at the birth of Christ, you know, the, uh, Christ coming out of the nation of Israel. Looking back at the enemy wanting to destroy Jesus, you know, the temptation of Christ and all of that. And yet he went to the cross, he, was, he died for our sins, he was buried and resurrected on the third day. Amen. We're we're really looking back at fulfilled prophecy. Verse 6 is looking forward to God's preservation of his people during the tribulation period. And he will preserve them, the Bible says, for 1,260 days. That is three and a half years. This is the second half of the seven-year tribulation period when tribulation is ramped up, when the Antichrist begins to severely persecute Jewish believers, Jewish believers. Now, this narrative is interrupted. Verse 6 is interrupted, and it continues in verse 14. But between those, in verse 7 to verse 12, uh, uh, John talks about a war breaking out in heaven. And so in verse 7, read along with me, says that a war broke out in heaven. Michael the archangel fought with the dragon. And the dragon, his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our God, and the power of Christ have come. What is happening here is that Jesus is poised to return. That's why he says, now salvation has come. Salvation and the strength in the kingdom of our God, okay? What will Jesus come back to do? To establish the kingdom of God on earth. He will rule and reign for a thousand years. When it says that he threw the devil or the devil was fighting in heaven, he's speaking of the fact that he's not in the throne room of God acting up. That word heaven there in Greek is the Greek word uranos. It speaks of the sky. Satan is the power of the air, right? The influencer over the world. So he's not in the throne room of God, but it speaks of the sky or a vault, the vaulted expanse of the sky. And so the devil has been cast from his place of authority as a prince of the air. As we'll see in a moment, he knows his time is short. He's a short timer. And then the Bible says, it goes on to say, and they rejoice that the kingdom of Christ, his kingdom is coming. He says, for the accuser, I continue here in uh, verse 10, the latter part. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they, who are they? They are the believers during the tribulation. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and he did not love their lives to the death. Mark that. We're going to go back and look at that for application. Amen. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in the earth. Amen. Jesus is coming. All right. But then he says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down. To you having great wrath because he knows he's a short timer. Amen. That his time is short. Again, we know this is happening during the tribulation period because 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 7 to 12 tells us that you know, the church is out of here because we have to be out of here for the Antichrist to come to power. You can go back and read that 
reference, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 12. So we're not here, but the Holy Spirit is still working in the world. And we know that because people are still coming to Christ during the tribulation period in the world. But Daniel talks about this war. Daniel had prophesied that this war would take place. In Daniel chapter 12, the Bible says, at that time, Michael will stand up, the great prince uh, who stands watch over the sons of your people, that is, is Christians, believers. And there, and in particular the Jewish people, I should say as well, Jewish believers, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is, for, who is found written in the book. That's why I said these are believers. They're found written in the book. What book? The book of life. Mentioned in Revelation chapter 20. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall be uh, awake, shall, shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. My friend, that is the choice. There's not a third part. Well, what about the people in purgatory? There is no purgatory. Some resurrected to life and others to eternal damnation. There is no third choice. But Daniel reports and, and talks about this war that will take place. And this is the war that John is writing about here. And Daniel, I mean, uh, Michael, not Daniel, but Michael one of the chief priests, he's one of the chief, I keep saying priests, one of the chief princes of God. There are many mighty angels, we don't know how many, like Michael, but Michael is one of the chief princes of God, and his army of angels will stand up to the devil, who is the bully of mankind. And they will defeat him soundly. And Michael is interesting, angel, archangel, he appears many times in the scripture. In fact, it was Michael who aided another angel in getting Daniel's answer to prayer, to the answer to prayer to Daniel. That's in the book of Daniel, it's Michael. Another instance where we find Michael is in contending with the devil. You know, I'd like to meet Michael one day. And the Bible says in the book of Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse nine, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against the devil a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And I find that fascinating because, you know, one angel, the Bible tells us, slew 185,000 Assyrian troops. One angel, that's kind of a, maybe running a mill angel. Michael is a prince among the angels. How strong is he? And yet as strong as he is, he dares not threaten the devil on his own accord. But he says, the Lord rebuke you. Amen. It's a great lesson for us as believers. I've heard believers say this. I've said it myself. Until I read the word of God and said, no, that's not what I ought to be saying. I've heard a lot of believers stand up and say, I rebuke you, devil. Oh, don't do that. Amen. Learn from Michael's example. Yeah, but we have authority. In Jesus' name. And the Lord is the one who has rebuked the devil, not us. Say, I rebuke you, devil. We're not stronger than the devil. He's more crafty. Look, he's got the whole world under his influence. And so we have to understand that it is in Jesus' name by the power of Christ. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. When we're involved in spiritual warfare, amen, we sick Jesus on him, amen? We don't stand there and say, I stand here, you didn't do all that all you want, amen? And he will eat your lunch. I don't care how much word you got. Jesus, Lord, you rebuke the devil. He's the only one with the authority and the power to rebuke the enemy. Don't be like the seven sons of Sceva. Oh, you remember them? Here, you know, Paul's casting out demons out of people, you know, in Jesus' name. And these seven sons of Sceva who are studying for the ministry, (laughs) 
they were looking at what Paul was doing. They thought, well, we kind of we look at what Paul's doing. Look how he, he holds his hand. So this is what we We got to kind of do this, you know. Got to get the Elvis thing going, you know, when you're. The Bible doesn't say that. I'm making it up. But they did they look at Paul and they said, you know what? Well, you know, we're going to cast these demons out just like old Paul. We saw how he did it. We'll just speak to the demons until they have to come out. Ran into a demon-possessed man. Seven sons. Ran into a demon-possessed man. And they were trying to cast the demon out. And I always imagine in the story, it's in Acts chapter 19, that the, 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 demonic, the, the, the man, or the demon <laughs> possessing the man, had the man smoking a cigarette. Because they came to him and they were trying to cast the demon out. And, and the Bible says that the demon, the demon in the man said, Jesus I know. I just envision him taking his time. <laughs> Little flick right there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Paul, I know. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and the scripture says he proceeded to beat them about the face and the neck, beat the clothes off the back. Seven grown behind men running out of the house, bleeding and naked for fear of their life. One demon-possessed man. Don't be like the seven sons of Sceva trying to do it in your strength. Listen to what the scripture says. Amen. The Bible tells us, in 1 John chapter 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you he, not me, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he and not me. Power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says demons tremble at the name of Jesus. It's not me, but it's he who is within me. Amen. Praise his holy name. So we, amen, give God the praise and glory. We... We have power, we have authority, but it's in Christ, not in ourselves. In verse 12, he talks about this great woe. He says, woe, this woe here in verse 12 is the uh, third woe mentioned in Revelation chapter 8, where four trumpets of judgment sounded, and there were three more to sound, there were seven trumpets, and the angel said, there are three more woes coming. In chapter 11, we saw the seventh trumpet sound. And it was woe because Jesus is getting ready to come to the earth with a rod of iron and judge the world. And the wrath of God is going to be poured out through, the, uh, through Christ or through his leadership. He's coming to judge the nations. And so that's the third woe, but it is connected with the woe here as well. Why? Because the Bible tells us, man, it's woe compounded because not only are you under the wrath of God, the world under the wrath of God, but you're also under the wrath of the devil who, is, who knows his time is short, who's been defeated. So you've got the wrath of devil who's throwing a temper tantrum, a tyrannical wrath of the enemy, and you have the justified wrath of God with that being poured out on the world as well. That's why it says here, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows his time is short. Amen. Now in verse 13, it says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. There again, who's the woman? Is Israel. And, and they're persecuting the woman. And so here's the second half of the tribulation period where that pseudo time, three and a half years of peace has ended and the Antichrist shows himself for who he is and under the inspiration of the devil begins to severely persecute Israel. The believers in particular in Israel. And it says here that he persecuted a woman who gave birth to the male child. Verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished 
for time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. That is three and a half years she's nourished and taken care of in the wilderness. She has wings like an eagle flies away. Now that's metaphorically speaking of the fact of the swiftness by which the believing Jews will flee uh, uh, into this hiding place to the wilderness uh, during this time of great tribulation. So they flee uh, quickly to get away from the serpent that is the devil who is the inspiration behind the Antichrist. In verses 15 and 16, it says, So the serpent spewed water out of the mouth, out of his mouth, uh, like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now, some believe this is a literal flood, but it's more than likely the flood of propaganda. The, the demonic rhetoric that the enemy is spewing out toward them, that they might be carried away with it, they might be destroyed because of this propaganda and all of that. And yet, God will preserve his people. But the earth, verse 16 says, helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Now, what is that speaking of? It's speaking of the fact that, that uh, the earth, and many believe, uh, you know, it's not going to be a literal flood, but many believe that this, this propaganda and demonic rhetoric being spewed out against Israel uh, will be halted because of the terrain of the wilderness. They will not be able to get to all these people. And the earth, thereby, is helping them. Now, some of you may go, well, you know, I don't know about that, but, you know, consider this. I mean, if you've ever been, anybody ever been to the southern region of Israel, to the wilderness? Okay? It is bizarre. I mean, it is crazy. The, the uh, uh, terrain is, is, is mountainous. Huge mountains, all jagged rocks. It looks like the moon. I mean, the, when the Bible says that they were in the wilderness and God provided for them, I'm telling you, if I was an Israelite coming through the wilderness, I think I would have gone back to Egypt. Amen? It was just, it's horrible. If it's dry, I mean, because we, we were there in Elot. Elot's in the southern tip of, of southern Israel. And we had an opportunity to go over to the rock city of Petra. And so we had to cross the Jordan border and go into Jordan. And you get to travel through a lot of that wilderness, those hills, and those, not hills, they're mountains, and deep uh, uh, caverns, deep valleys, and places where people could hide out. In fact, the rock city of Petra, you know, was, used to be a hideout for people. A whole city was there carved out of sandstone. Many of you have seen pictures of it. And so some believe and believe that maybe some of the, the Jews who are fleeing the uh, Antichrist will hide in these places like the rock city of Petra and other places. But it serves a reason that you can see why they cannot completely annihilate those people because they're going to be all these hiding places in the wilderness. So that's what I believe he's saying here that the, the earth will help them and the Lord will preserve them and swallow up, bring to naught the rhetoric of the devil against them, uh, uh, against the uh, believing uh, Jews uh, who will be hiding there. And I'm sure as well as other maybe Gentiles who are fleeing with them as well in Israel. And the reason I say these are believing Jews, again, is verse 17 says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, the rest of Israel, and uh, who, who keep, again, targeting believers, listen to this, who keep the, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of who? Jesus Christ. They're not going to be taking the mark of the beast. And he's going to want to annihilate them. Wherever he can find them. Amen. Wow. And yet the rhetoric of the enemy will be snuffed out. I love what Isaiah 59 verse 19 says. When the enemy comes in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I'm so glad that God is my PR agent. That a lot of the slander and things that have been said toward me and many things in your life you've experienced toward you, we don't have to defend ourselves that the Lord is our defense. Amen. And when the enemy comes in, the gossip comes in like a flood and everybody's just flapping their gums, you know. 
The Lord promises to raise up a standard. In fact, Isaiah uh, 54 reminds us that no weapon formed against us will prosper and that every tongue that rises up against God's elect, his people, will be condemned. Amen? So I don't have to jump all up in somebody's face to prove anything. Amen? I just say, Jesus, sick him. Amen? <laughs> He's my PR agent. Amen? And he will raise up a standard for his people. So don't worry about the devil's propaganda against you. Praise his holy name. Now for the application. And we go back here to verse 10. Because the devil is still raging today. He was raging. He's going to be raging against the church during the tribulation period. He's raging against the church even today. But one one of his favorite tools by which he seeks to destroy the work of God. It's mentioned here in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 12. It is accusations. Think about it. The news we've been hearing on television and all of this. All of it is just we're accusations, man, on the rise. Some of them are true. I found most of them to be false. Accusations is when the devil comes and tells you something about somebody that cannot be substantiated. But you are somehow convinced of it, you know. It's amazing how we just, you know, we can just hate somebody and reject somebody. You don't even know the person. But accusations, the lies, the deceitful lies of the enemy has caused, is a cause of many wars, divorces, churches splitting, and even murder. Accusation, who's behind that information? Have you ever thought about that when you're sitting there, you're just convinced. Yeah, I bet that person is so and so. Who told you that? Just like God said to Adam and Eve, who told you you were naked? Amen? They didn't know until the devil came whispering all these accusations. Did God really say? Lying to them. We see him doing that today. And and it's sad to say, but especially in the church, whereby the accuser has turned many believers into abusers of the brethren. Amen. That's how we get to be abusers of one another, hating each other, talking about each other because of the accuser. We start listening to him. You become an abuser. You can become an abuser in your own household. Amen. Now we find in our text examples of how to overcome this, how to live as overcomers today from future brothers as the Lord has allowed us to see is the end of things. And there's three examples I find here. They're very clear. Number one is they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb. They believed in the power of the blood. They believed in the power of blood. Now this is for believers, for us to overcome. We must believe in the power of the blood for our cleansing and for our community. Community as believers in Jesus Christ. The blood cleanses us. The Bible says it cleanses our conscience that we might serve the living God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22, 23. The blood provides for us community. The Bible says that in 1 John 1, 7, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, his son cleanses us from all sin. How does that work? If the blood's been applied to my life and the blood has been applied to your life as a believer, then who am I to judge you? Who am I to ridicule you or to hate you? I'm hating you. Jesus paid for you. You, You're you're precious in his sight. And for me to demean you and and to belittle you or to, to hate you is an offense to the blood. Jesus said, yeah, Lord, that person, hey, I I paid for that person. My blood is on them. Amen? Don't you dare talk about what I've purchased. Woo! Amen? The blood is what binds us together. It binds us together. 
It makes us one. And Jesus prayed, oh, Father, that, that they all may be one as you, Father, and are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. How is the world going to ever believe if we're not united? And our unity has to be not around our style, not around how we dress, not the label on the front of the church, not the color of the carpet. Our unity must be around the blood. It's called the centrality of Christ. If you're not here, you call yourself a Christian and you're not here because of Jesus, then you should leave. I'm talking to Christians. I ain't talking to somebody just visiting, just looking. I'm talking about us, folks. If Christ is not the centrality of our fellowship, the blood of Jesus, then the devil will divide us through accusations. What binds us together? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so therefore, when the enemy comes, amen, give him praise and glory, amen. So therefore, when the enemy comes, I've learned over the years, and listen, it's been a bunch of years. I, I've fallen down a whole lot more times than I've walked up, right? I've made a lot of mistakes, hating folks. But God has shown me over the years, this is what you do. I may have mentioned this last week, but it's just, it's so important for us to remember that you need to confront every accusation with a declaration of favor and blessing on the accused. This is how that works. You know, so-and-so, so-and-so, man, you know, and the devil's talking to you, you know, and, and you're starting to be convinced about something. You have no proof of it. You say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Father, I pray right now, blessing on that brother, favor on that brother, that sister. I pray you'd bless them, Lord. You guide their steps in the path of righteousness. God, that you continue to sanctify them. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? You pray God's will upon their life. You meet the accusation with a declaration of blessing. And even for your enemies. Whoa, wait a minute. They're not Christians. Do I have to do that for If they're not Christians, can I just punch them once maybe or something? You know. No, Jesus said, love your enemies. You love those who love you, so what? Love your enemies. Pray for those. Meet that accusation with a blessing. Pray for those who spitefully use you, who have hurt you. Think of the people who have hurt you in your life. Rather than sitting there stewing and allowing it to prejudice your heart, begin to speak blessing over their life. I pray for people, I don't know if they're saved or not, who've hurt me in the past. And I say, God, save them. Bring them to the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Me in the flesh, I don't even want to see them in heaven. Yeah. I, I got a chance to get you there. I ain't going to get you in heaven. I ain't want to see you there. You know what I mean? I ain't going to do anything to help get you there. Amen? You come to me and ask me, how, how must I be saved? I'm going to be like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't want you there. Amen? Now that's the flesh. But the spirit says, pray for those who've used you and abused you. You know why? Because when you bless, then you can rest in God's sovereignty. And you're not running around all anxious and hateful, your spirit all twisted by the accuser of the brethren. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. Praise his holy name. This is how they overcame the enemy, by the blood of the lamb. They believed in the power, the sufficiency of his blood. And they kept their testimonies. They continued to tell their story. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord, in other words, open your mouth, tell your story. But I don't have a dynamic story. You know, I was hooked on Snickers. And uh, I came to Jesus, you know. <laughs> Tell your story. It's a powerful story. Someone is dying to hear your story. You see, when you share your testimony, it glorifies the Lord. Share your story, your testimony. You got a story to tell. Tell your story. Let the redeemed say so. These believers, they didn't keep their mouths shut. They proclaimed what Jesus had done for them. And we should do the same today. 
And make sure it's a testimony and not a bragamony. Amen. You've heard some bragamonies before. Yeah, you know, I'm a 19th you know, level black belt and I used to be the biggest cocaine dealer and you know, I had all these women and fast cars and several homes and then I came to Jesus. You know, it almost sounds disappointed. That ain't like a, really? Are you sure you came to Jesus? Bragamony elevates us. A testimony glorifies the Lord. Amen. Tell your story. Dare to share your story. Somebody is literally dying to hear it. You never know who's listening. Jim Simbola tells a story of when he was uh, on a Sunday morning he's, and uh, he was, felt moved of the Lord to have one of the young men in their choir share his testimony. The man had been delivered from cocaine, came to Christ, gloriously saved. He shared his story. Jim gave an altar call right after that. And this is in his book, Fresh Faith. He gave an altar call. People, dozens of people came forward to get saved. And then, you know, a few days went by and he gets a phone call from a guy that wanted to know what was the song that the church was singing at the time that the, uh, those people came forward and all. And uh, the man began to tell his story, either to Jim or to whoever answered the phone. But, but he talked about the fact that, you know what, we, we came to your church. We were in church that day. And, and uh, we were actually in New York with our son. Our son had, been walk, had walked away from the Lord for many years. But that day we thought, man, if we can just get to Symbolist Church and, and, and uh, he could hear the message and all that. But then they realized, man, our plane is leaving early. We won't be able to stay for the whole service. Just so happened that Sunday, Jim gets up and says... You know, in the very beginning of the service, and had this young man share his testimony. And they said, you know, we had our son with us there, and we just praying for him. And he said, when you gave that invitation, our son shot up. And he walked forward. He said, when he came back from that altar, he was a different man. Amen. And I just think, you know what? That wasn't planned. That was the Holy Spirit. That young man who shared his testimony of being delivered from cocaine, man, that wasn't planned. He was just sharing his story. But that man, that young man, needed to hear it. And he came back to the Lord. You never know who's listening in when you share your story. They overcame the enemy because they kept glorifying God through their testimony. Lastly, they overcame the enemy because they loved Jesus more than they loved their lives. They loved Jesus more than they loved their lives. What a challenge for us. Do we love the Lord more than we love our lives? The answer to that is, you know, when bad things happen or when we see an advantage, even though it goes against the word of God and we choose the advantage rather than God's word. Do we love the Lord more than our lives? They did. Narcissism, the worship of self, is the norm today. Narcissism. Amen. Amen. Everybody's always taking pictures of themselves, and I get it. We do that. We do the selfie thing or whatever. But you know, it always gets me when people like take pictures of their breakfast. <laughs> I don't care what you had for breakfast. I'm at Walmart. I don't just go to Walmart and then go home. If I don't know that, I don't think I'm going to miss out on anything. Amen. It's just a world we live in. It's, 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 you know, we're just a narcissistic generation. I was reading this article, you probably saw it about the, the young man in India, 27-year-old man in India. Did you read this? He's suing his parents because they conceived him without his consent. I ain't making this up. He's suing his parents because they conceived him without his consent. So therefore, he concludes, he believes that they are obligated to pay all of his expenses for the duration of his life because he didn't ask to be here. I read that. I thought, what would my daddy say if I came home and told him that? Amen. I'm just saying, my generation, they didn't mind hitting you. Amen. <laughs> he would have looked at me like I would say, what? And that'd be the last thing I remember. Amen. Amen. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but check this out. Listen. Yet the faith of many believers often reflect this mentality. God owes me. When Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, God doesn't owe you. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If we love our lives more than Jesus, we will succumb rather than overcome the darkness of our day. So Jesus reminded us, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but behold, I have overcome the world. In closing, these future saints are trying to teach us something. They haven't even been born yet, probably, or maybe they are here now. We don't know how close we are. We know that it's near. We don't know when it's the time when Christ is going to come, when exactly it's going to be, but it's near. But they are an example to us today to live as victors rather than victims. Despite the tribulation around them, they lived as victors through faith in Christ. The devil doesn't want you to know that right now today, I don't care how you feel, what you've been through, how weak you might be, the devil doesn't want you to know that right now you are more than a conqueror in Jesus. And Paul writes, who shall separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's the way we feel many times in this world, like your sheep lined up for the slaughter. But the Lord reminds us, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Through him who loved us. Well, now, with that, we close today's episode of this audio event with Pastor Al Pittman as we traverse the book of Revelation together. These previews are not meant to terrify us, but to remind us that the unveiling of Jesus Christ is near. That's precisely what Pastor Al Pittman has helped us accomplish today on this audio episode from Calvary Worship Center. Next time we move forward in the book of Revelation, you can expect to be encouraged and enlightened by what lies beyond this. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and keep current with our weekly teachings from the church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And if you want access to the full archive of teachings from Calvary Worship Center, click in cwccs.org and look under media. That's also where you'll find the information about our church in Colorado Springs and you'll have the opportunity to support this ministry financially. Again, that's cwccs.org. Click under give. This audio episode is presented by Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs.